Welcome back to the Rainy Day Horror Show, okay? I hope you guys had a good Friday, well, not Friday, Saturday night, right? Sunday, and we have a good story today, all right? It's about a Dybbuk box. I know I've been preaching about it this week, but it is, it's creepy. Interesting, but creepy. But before we get into it, I am your host with the most I am Dusty McBalls, and I am the certified cougar hunter, okay? Before we get into it, strap those Crocs on, put them bitches in adventure mode because it is going to be a wild and creepy fucking ride, okay? Because I know a lot of people don't know a whole lot of shit about Dybbuk boxes. This one, if you don't know, you might be terrified of this Minus the Ouija board. Those are the two top things that, you know, Dusty does not fuck with. Alright, I do not mess with Dybbuk boxes and I do not mess with Ouija boards. Even though I have one, I've never touched it. Well, I've never, I've used it once, okay, and it didn't work. But, I took it on all of, like, when I used to go do my paranormal investigations. I've taken it with me everywhere on those. So, my Ouija board, I am never fucking touching again. Because I don't know what the fuck's gonna come through with that shit. Shit's gonna be fucking weird, okay? But that's a whole. Let's let's not get sidetracked from today's story, okay? Get those Crocs on. Make sure you've got you know something to eat, something to drink, okay? Because we're gonna be here for a little bit. All right. Might be a little bit longer. Might be a little bit less. Just in case I have to explain, you know. What a Dybbuk box is to the people that are just hearing about them for the first time, okay? Because there's not a whole lot of information on Dybbuk boxes, right? It's kind of a kind of a taboo thing, right? Not a whole lot of people, I mean, like, everybody knows about Ouija boards and what they can do, right? Not a whole lot of people know about Dybbuk boxes. And they are, they are no joke, okay? So, without further ado, let's get into this beautiful and creepy story about a Dybbuk box, okay? So for the people that are sort of new to the paranormal world and don't know entirely what a Dybbuk box is, it's basically a box that has a demon trapped inside of it. And if you break that seal and open up the box... You're basically letting that demon out of its quote-unquote cage, for lack of a better terms, and it just wreaks havoc. It just, it's just awful, okay? It, they can cause so much bad shit, and we're about, we will get into the story where a lot of bad shit does occur, right? And usually, the person that, opens this box this well opens up this Dybbuk box unfortunately nine times out of ten is the person that the demon will attach itself to now the history of the Dybbuk boxes they go back centuries right Dybbuk boxes do come from Jewish folklore and the popular belief behind them is that an evil spirit which enters a living person, cleaves to his or her soul. Basically, cleaves is another word for attachment, attaches to that person's soul. 
And their whole, you know, main goal is to basically try to possess them and, you know, bring them to the dark side. Now, a little bit about possession. Not a lot of people know, okay? I've heard multiple things. I don't know which one it is, like, which one is true because I know everybody's paranormal experiences are different. And I know when people think of being possessed, they think that a demon inhabits their body and they, you know do what they want while the person doesn't like is basically kind of like put to sleep and they don't remember anything, right? Well, I've heard that and I've also heard where they don't do that and being possessed basically means like they just tell you like awful things like, you know, that you're not worthy, that your family hates you, nobody loves you, they can make you extremely sick, financial problems and it all eventually leads to suicide. And I've heard that's a, the form of possession, but I don't know. I don't know, right? It's still, I mean, yes, people have been possessed and stuff like that, but there's not really like a well-documented case that I can think of off the top of my head. I definitely, well, if you're familiar with the Warrens, you would obviously be like, oh yeah, they that's possession. That's what it is, right? They are, you know, big within the paranormal community. They're the pioneers of this shit. And they obviously know. Well, no. They're I I know y'all know my stances on the Warrens. I think they're complete fuckheads and I hate them because a lot of they sh a lot of the shit that they did was false. Alright? The fucking Amityville horror has been debunked and shit like that. Like, just a lot of their work, they are just nasty, nasty fucking people, okay? So, I don't really believe anything that they have done research-wise as correct. Now, don't get me wrong. Some of it might be. They might have actually done some shit. But, they were just money-hungry assholes, Okay? They were ripping people off for the books and weren't giving them like the store the people that the people that they investigated that they put in the books, they weren't giving them money or any part of their share of participating in that book. Warren, well not Warren, but Ed had a mistress, got her pregnant, forced her to get an abortion so that it wouldn't tarnish Ed and Lorraine's, you know, marriage or their reputation, shit like that. So they're, they're a little fucking weird, okay? And I mean that in the nicest way. Actually, not really in the nicest way. Fuck them. Nobody cares about them. They're dicks, okay? Right? So, if you're going strictly off the Warrens, I would, you know, explore other paranormal investigators because there are some good ones. Don't go to Zach Baggins because he is also a dick and a douchebag and fuck him. But there's a bunch of other paranormal investigators that, you know, possibly have seen possessions and stuff like that so just do your research so i don't know truly which one is which if they do fully possess your body and take over or if they're just that little voice in your head that tells you to kill yourself no fucking clue okay but the word dibic means basically evil spirit or demon and this term was introduced into literature in the 17th century from Germanic and Polish Jews, where they thought that these Dybbuk boxes were either the devil or demons. And later on, as you know, the Jewish community got more familiar 
with Dybbuk boxes, some started to believe that if a person wasn't, you know, put to rest properly, that they would eventually turn into one of these Dybbuk's or demons. Now, when the knowledge of a Dybbuk first came around, people within the Jewish communities only thought that they invaded sick people. But people started to adapt a newer idea of how one could, you know, come in contact with the Dybbuk and be ultimately possessed. The newer idea that most people seem to believe is that a person may have committed a secret sin and didn't either confess their sin or, you know, just didn't come to terms with, you know, that specific sin. So because of not confessing, they basically opened up a doorway for a Dybbuk to enter their lives. Now, depending on how severe that sin is, that can also cause it to become, you know, a person can become a Dybbuk when they die, right? So if it's really, really bad, like you went out and murdered a bunch of people and, you know, you died or you murdered your wife and died, sometimes those sins can turn you into a Dybbuk when you die, right? Now, in the doctrine of Gilgal, I'm going to fuck these up because there's a few other ones that are coming up, so sorry in advance. If the sin is severe enough, the soul won't transmigrate, meaning pass on to the afterlife. And in this case, this soul that, you know, can't transmigrate, and if it was severe enough, they would try and seek soul, well, they would try and seek refuge in the living, and they would inhabit their bodies. Now, if you do have a Dybbuk attached to you, there is a way to get rid of it. In the Kabbalah, 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 we're going to roll with that, Kabbalah, sorry, butchered it, I know, I know this is somebody's religion, somebody's religion, and I'm fucking sorry, okay, I do apologize. And in the Kabbalah, specifically in the Kabbalistic literature of Lyria's disciples, the only person that can perform these kinds of exorcisms is an accomplished Hasidim. Hasidim, 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 we're rolling with it. And basically what that person is, I think I just researched it tiny, a little tiny bit, okay? I think a Hasidim is a orthodox, a person that is a part of the orthodox Jewish religion. I think that's what it was. Sorry if I fucked that up too. Don't quote me on that, all right? That is alleged, okay? I looked it up, kind of forgot it, so don't get mad at me. I'm, I apologize. And what they basically do in these exorcisms is cast out the Dybbuk and redeem the victim's soul simultaneously by providing Tikkun, which I th I don't know. Again, I don't know. I think that's how you pronounce it. And that basically means soul restoration. And they do this through transmigrating or sending the Dybbuk back to hell or wherever it came from. Kind of like how in Christianity where, you know, by the Lord's name, I cast you out of this body and I command you back to hell, demon. It's basically that same thing for people that want a different analogy, right? Now, I, like I said in the intro, I couldn't find a whole lot of information 
on Dybbuk boxes, I think still because they are pretty taboo. And I don't know why the Jewish community specifically decided to use boxes to put these Dybbuk boxes or these Dybbuks in, but they did. Now, it's not just like a cardboard box or a, um, what is it? Um, I'm trying to think. It's not like a cardboard box, but it's more like kind of like a wine box. It's a small wooden chest, basically, is what I'm trying to say, is what they kind of throw these Dybbuks into. And inside of these Dybbuk boxes, they have other items. I don't know, okay? I've seen it in the movies, and we know how, you know, accurate the movies are, right? And I couldn't find anything on why they put these specific items in these Dybbuk boxes, it might be something for the the Dybbuk to tie to so it can be put. I don't know, okay? I'm just trying to spitball here and figure it out as we're going. But I really couldn't figure out why they chose boxes. But I guess it's kind of like a toy, you know, where like Annabelle, for instance, even though that might... Nope. I, okay. I don't know if that's real or not. I've heard stories of people saying that it's not real because why would they have, you know, not put like certain things, like certain people's names never came out, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. Certain people's names never came out. So I don't fucking know, right? No clue, okay? But it's kind of like that where, you know, a evil entity can possess a doll, right? Or a any item, okay? So maybe that's kind of that same situation where they force them to possess and live in the box. That's what I would assume, but I also found out that these Dybbuk boxes were also associated with people who had mental health. I don't, like, the reason, okay, let me, let me rewind. The reason that these were associated with people, you know, who suffered from bad mental health, like anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, most of the people that, like, didn't have mental health would say that they had a Dybbuk attached to them. It is also rumored that even looking at a picture of a Dybbuk box can curse you. And hopefully I'm not cursed because I, while researching, I've been looking at like a shit ton of different, you know, pictures of Dybbuk boxes and they're so fucking creepy looking. They are. They're really, really creepy. Like you just look at one and you go, I don't ever want to fucking touch that. Right? Now, whether or not you can, you know, believe, well, not can, but whether or not you believe in, like, Dybbuk boxes or Ouija boards or anything like that, specifically Dybbuk boxes for this episode, personally, I don't fuck with Dybbuk boxes just because of the what-if factor, okay? And to be honest, I really don't want to test my luck with one, alright? I've never came into contact with a Dybbuk box, and never want to, just specifically because there is so much nasty shit that surrounds these little demon crates that it absolutely terrifies me, especially after the story I am about, I'm about to tell you, okay? Now, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna, I was gonna save this for the end, right? But I'm gonna come out and say it right now. The main guy, the first guy in this story that had the Dybbuk box, 
he came out on a podcast and said that the story was fake. Now, I'm assuming that he meant the story that he made up, where the, or, the origin story of this box and what happened to him and his family is fake. He went on a podcast and said it, forgot what fucking podcast it was, but if you just go up and look at, I'm trying to find his name in here, Kevin Manis says Dybbuk Box is fake on YouTube. It will pop up with the podcast video. You can watch it. To be honest, I got really fucking bored within the five seconds of, you know, watching it. I just wanted to hear him say it was fake, and he did. So, I, to be I don't know. But here's the thing. Here's the thing before you click off the video. A lot of people don't know this, okay? You know how when you go out, not really go out, but when you go, yeah, I'm going to say when you go out. When you go out and you, you know, you have a good luck shirt and you have a bad luck shirt, right? Every time you wear the good luck shirt, something great happens. You meet, you know, your future boyfriend or girlfriend at the bar. You know, you become best friends with Ray Shremerd. I don't fucking know. So you wear that shirt every time you go out because it just brings you good luck. You feel good. You go out, you pound 10 drinks. You don't throw up. You're just having a good fucking night. But you have a bad luck shirt. And every time you fucking wear that bad luck shirt to go out to the bar, you get into a fight. You just throw up constantly after pounding 10 beers. Like, just bad shit happens, right? Well, I think half of this story is true, okay? The first half with Kevin Manis obviously fake because he came out and said it was fake, right? But because of intention, right? The power of intentions, you can put negative ideas or negative feelings onto a specific item and whenever you know, somebody has that item or touches that item, like a good luck shirt or a bad luck shirt. That's what kind of happens with this box. Personally, I think, I think he, sh he, well, I think he set evil intentions accidentally with this box. And because of that, it started a whole butterfly effect of nasty shit to whoever came in contact with this box. Like I said, Kevin Manis came up with the origin story and what happened to him and his family. He said all of that was fake because he is a writer, right? But everything after him, I do believe is kind of true, right? But I don't know. This is all alleged. Like I said, everything when it comes to the paranormal is always alleged, Right? So we're going to jump right into it and I will let you guys know. You know, think your thoughts at the end. So the beginning of this story takes place in 2001 when a Dybbuk box hit the mean streets of eBay. Kevin Manis was selling this box that he bought from an estate sale. Now, when Kevin, now, not when, but Kevin owns an antique store. So just by nature, he was naturally drawn to this old looking wine box. Especially when he found out that the seller, well, found out from the seller 
not like a wine seller, but like a seller, like person that sells you shit. He found out from her that the woman who owned this specific box that, well, this box belonged to, that woman survived the Holocaust. Now, this woman died at 103, and that's why they're having this garage sale or this estate sale. And it's being ran by her granddaughter. But according to the granddaughter, grandma instructed her entire family to never open this fucking box. And the granddaughter even told Kevin after she sold it to him, right, to never open the fucking box. So he bought it, didn't open it, and he brought it back to his antique store where he went and set this little demon crate in the basement before he went out to run some errands. And after, you know, he put it in the basement, he left the store and went to go to the, go to, I don't know, wherever the fuck he went, the beauty department store. I don't fucking know. Maybe he's buying something for his wife, right? And as he's out running these errands, he gets a frantic call from his employees saying that they heard otherworldly screaming within his business, within his work, right? Specifically from the basement where this box was taken to. So Kevin being the owner of this establishment, he races back to his store to figure out what the fuck is going on. And as he entered the front doors of his store, he got hit with a very strong smell of jasmine flowers. Now, I've also heard that jasmine flowers kind of smells like cat urine, all right? So, it's not great, but it might be one of those. I've never smelled jasmine flowers, so it might be this. You know how people have that, Um, what is it, that genetic thingy where they think cilantro tastes like soap? It might be like that, but for the nose. I have no fucking clue, okay? That's just an assumption. Don't quote me on it. But as he smelt these jasmine flowers, it alarmed him pretty, pretty quick because the store has never smelt like jasmine flowers before. So after Kevin picks up the scent, he starts searching around for the store of where this smell could be coming from, right? He finds nothing on the main level, so he decides to move and search the basement where the screaming was. Now, as Kevin descends the stairs to the basement, he realizes that all of the light bulbs that are like screwed into the ceiling and into the lamps and stuff like that have been shattered and broken glass was basically littering littering the concrete floor. And as he carefully, you know, maneuvered around the glass to search the basement, he found it completely empty. And like I said earlier, according to the employees that worked there, which wasn't a whole lot, I think it was maybe like three or four of them, just because it is a family-owned business, you know, there's not a whole lot of people that need to be working there, right? They claimed that's where the screaming was coming from. And after he searched and found nothing, one of his employees actually quit that day and just fucking walked out because of how terrified they were of what was going on. Now, after this incident, Kevin tried giving the box away. And every attempt, 
that he made always resulted in like the person that had that he gave the box to, they would always give it back to him. Kevin first tried giving it to his mom as a birthday gift. One day, Kevin's mom came into the shop to visit him, and when she came in, that's when he decided to give it to her, you know, and he gave it to her. Not like that, you fucking pervs. He didn't, you know, fuck his own mom. That's incest, and that's not okay unless you're in Alabama, right? But he gave her this box, and after he gave it to her, he had to go, you know, he decided to leave her alone because he had to go tidy up the store, do, you know, he's working, he's got to go do his shit, right? Now... After he was done fixing up the store, he came back to see his mom. And when he came back, he found his mother sitting in a chair and not speaking. So, totally freaked out and scared for his mom, obviously, as any child would be. Kevin decided to rush her to the emergency room or the ER to see what is wrong with her. Now... After being at the hospital and being poked and prodded by the doctors, Kevin and his mom found out, found out, not found out, found out that she had a severe stroke. I mean, like a bad fucking stroke. So bad that she lost just a she lost a little bit of her ability to speak and had to work really, really hard to regain it while you know also being in the hospital and trying to regain her speech the only way she could really converse was through writing stuff down on like a sound or like a soundboard you know like Stephen Hawking like that kind of soundboard right now one day while Kevin was visiting his mom in the hospital mama Kev wrote down on a whiteboard in the hospital room no gift which, for a moment, puzzled Kevin, because that box that he gave her, that Dybbuk box, was her birthday gift. And he thought when he, she said, no gift, like, you didn't get me a gift. And he had to reassure her that that gift was for her. But his mom's reply to his reassurance was, hate gift. Now, after hearing this, whoa, I'm speaking too fast. We got to rewind, back up a little bit, relax, all right? You're amped, I'm amped. It's just, this is a crazy episode. We're just getting all all in the feelings, right? Get the heebie-jeebies just fucking going right now because of how creepy this shit is, right? So we're going to rewind. We're going to take a two-second break. One, two. Okay, now we're going back in. Get ready. Now, after hearing his mom saying that she hated the gift, he took it back and he started to give it to other family members who wanted it, which we all know is fake. I was going to say, well, why the fuck would you do that, Kevin, you piece of shit? But it's fake, so this part's fake. I'll let you guys know when it gets real, when the business gets fucking dirty, okay? They were just, you know, passing this box around. His family was just passing this box around like a Motley Crew groupie, right? That's for the old heads that are listening to this. I love you guys. Motley Crew, ride or die. Cringy, what the fuck? Okay, after he took it back from his mom, he tried to give it to his sister. And she gave it right back to him because she claimed that the doors on the box would keep opening up by themselves. 
Then, after she gave it back to him, Kevin tried giving it to his brother, and he gave it right back, right back after three days because he claimed that it smelled horrible. Like I said, jasmine flowers smells like cat urine, and that's what he was smelling. After his brother gave it back to him, he then tried selling it to an older couple, but they also returned it after a few days in the middle of the night with a note attached to it saying, this box has a bad darkness. And finally, after not being able to find someone to take the box, Kevin decided to keep it you know, for himself and he took it home. Now after he took it home, Weird shit started to happen. Kevin claims he saw shadowy figures moving throughout his house and that he would have terrifying nightmares about an old lady that would beat him. Like, beat him. Like a serial killer's mom beating their child, right? And after having those nightmares, he claims that he would wake up covered in all sorts of bruises. Now concerned with his well-being, obviously, and since all of this weird shit has been happening, he turned to his family members to try and figure out if they, you know, had the same things happen to them when they owned the Dybbuk box. And upon further investigation and reaching out to his family members, they said that they had the exact same dreams and that they also woke up covered in bruises, right? So now Kevin is totally freaked out with basically everything going on surrounding this box. He decided to take it back to his shed where he locked it away. But unfortunately for him, the smell of jasmine flowers, the nightmares, and the shadowy beings never went away and completely fed up with everything going on surrounding this box. Kevin put it up for sale on eBay in 2001 where it sat for two years before being bought by a college student in 2003. Okay, now this is where I think the story allegedly gets real, right? I don't know, but I'm assuming, okay? I am assuming that it gets real here, right? I don't know why I paused for so long. It's awkward now, so I'm just going to start it. Where did, Okay. Now, this college student's name depends on which source you're reading from. So, to not be rude and disrespectful and, you know, because it's his name, I don't want to be, you know, weird. I'm just going to call him student. So, student's experience with this demon box was very similar to Kevin's. Student was getting overwhelming smell of jasmine flowers. He was seeing shadows. He slowly stopped talking to people. And allegedly, he started losing his hair when, you know, he had the box. And was getting the exact same nightmares that Kevin was getting. But, Student claims that after he woke up from one of these nightmares in his house. Wait, what? Oh, okay, rewind. Fuck that up. I didn't put a comma in this. Yes, I yes, I do a little bit of a fucking um what is it? Script writing, okay? Don't get mad at me. All your favorite you all your favorite fucking 
podcasters do it too, okay? Suck my left nut. I'm sorry, okay? But student claims after he woke up from one of these nightmares, his house and the demon box were all covered with bugs. Now, student held onto this box for a long time. Well, I, not really a long time. It was eight months long, but it's still, that's a long fucking time to be going through this and losing your hair. Could not imagine losing your fucking hair. But before selling it, well, sold it to, well, fuck, held on to it for eight months and then sold it to a na man named Jason Huxton. Now, during the time that student had the Dybbuk box, he was sharing his experiences on his blog, which Jason found. Now, the reason Jason wanted, to, wanted this box was to basically prove to the internet and the world that there was a scientific reason for why the box is acting the way that it is. So, Jason, like I said two seconds ago, bought the box from student for $280. Now, Jason owns a medical museum, and after he bought the box, that's exactly where he took it. Hopefully, trying to prove something scientific and, like, explainable was behind all of this weirdness. And boy... He should have been careful for what he fucking wished for, okay? Because people, if you're in this industry, I don't know why I said this industry, like this paranormal industry, but if you're in the paranormal world, right, you know not to fuck with shit like this, right? This is that typical asshole who's like, oh, I'm going to debunk all the paranormal investigators because they're stupid and there's nothing really going on outside of this, right? We get put in the ground and we're dead, right? This was one of those guys, people. This was one of those guys that was taking a shot at our community, right? Not cool, bro. Not fucking cool. But thankfully he got his karma for trying to disrespect us, right? He wasn't putting respect on our name. Shout out Birdman, right? He was just trying to fuck us all. Just no rubber glove. Glove? No. <laughs> no rubber glove. Just elbow deep in our buttholes. Trying to mix our small intestine with our large intestine. And just trying to fuck us. But it didn't work, right? It didn't fucking work. And we're about to get into why it didn't work, alright? Allegedly, when the box was at his medical museum, the computer stopped working, which ended up in him losing all of his important data. There was an overwhelming smell of jasmine flowers, like usual, and one employee allegedly claims that after his grandparents saw the box at the museum... They died suddenly, sudden, suddenly, I said that right. Hopefully I said that right. I don't care. <laughs> suddenly and unexpectedly causing his employees to, you know, beg, beg for him to take it away. And he did. He decided to take that shit straight home. I don't know why he took it straight home, but that's exactly what he did. 
he took that fucking box back to his house, right? Now, once Jason took the box home, it only amplified the horrors that he has gone through so far. He started to see shadow figures. He also started having those awful nightmares about his friends turning into old ladies and trying to kill him. And he even claims that one night while watching TV with his son, Jason saw a massive shadow figure standing right behind his poor baby boy. But that's not even the worst of it. After he owned the box for a little while, his health started to decline to the point where he was constantly sick and coughing up blood. Now at this point, you know, Jason is obviously scared for his life, so he reaches out to fellow paranormal investigation groups telling, you know, them his side of the story and asking what he should do with this box. And the paranormal investigators told Jason that he has to somehow contain this box and its negative energy. So what does he do? He puts the demon box in a military grade like container that was just lined with not real gold, but like gold. I don't know. I don't know if it was real gold or not. I would assume it's not real gold because that shit would be fucking expensive, right? But put it in this military grade box with gold that was lined with gold. And then he buried it at an undisclosed location, which thankfully dwindled the negative energy that was being projected on Jason. Now, after he buried the box, Jason decided to research on the history of Dybbuk boxes and this specific Dybbuk box. And he was able to track down one of, not one of the original owners. It was, I think it was a cousin. And he found out through them that this box came from the Holocaust survivor, like earlier. And it was purchased in Spain during World War II. The name of the survivor was Havali, Havala, Havala, Havela, Havela, Havela. We're rolling with Havela. And while she had this demon box, this, sorry, I'm going to be very disrespectful for a second. This bitch also decided to fuck around with the Ouija board while having this box, okay? Now, Havala was using this Ouija board to try and contact good spirits in hopes of fighting back against the Nazis. And in doing so, she accidentally unleashed an evil spirit and somehow, some way, was able to trick this evil spirit into going into this box and she was able to somehow, don't know how the fuck she did it, was able to seal it and contain this demon within the wooden walls of that box. Now, is this true? I don't fucking know because this ties in the first story. So I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't know, right? I do not know. Okay. I don't know. This is alleged. This is all alleged. I would like to believe it's true, but I don't fucking know. Okay. 
after Jason found out all of this nasty shit about the box and with all of this, you know, demonic stuff that was happening to him, eventually he got fed up with, you know, the box. And depending on the source, Jason either donated it or sold it to Zach Baggins in 2017 for $10,000. Now, once Zach became, time out, one second, I just want to say, on record, fuck Zach Baggins, right? Fuck that little scrongy motherfucker. Hate him. Hate him. Hate the way he looks, right? He wears those... This is going to be a shot at the alternative people, and I'm sorry. You know, he wears those stupid fucking skeleton gloves that, you know, people were wearing when I was in middle school, right? If you're still wearing those, do what you got to do, all right? All right, I'm not disrespecting you. I'm disrespecting a guy that's a part of your community because fuck him, right? That is like, what the fuck? What? I don't understand it. They look so fucking ugly, right? Look so fucking ugly. And they're fingerless too, right? So fucking weird, right? It's okay if you're in middle school, dude. Not dude as in you, but dude as in Zach Baggins. Zach, grow the fuck up, right? You also got, the reason I really hate him is because he got, on Ghost Adventures, he got his co-host, forgot his name, banned from Destination TV, or Destination America, I think. I remember reading something about it, or seeing something about it a long time ago, but just fuck Zach Bagans. Fuck Zach Bagans, right? Just a douchebag. Doesn't even like, I mean, okay, he might like the paranormal stuff, but, like, seriously, in all seriousness... This dude is just knocks on doors, doesn't take no for an answer, won't leave you the fuck alone. Like, that's not paranormal investigating, right? That's being a cunt, okay? Being a cunt. Now, once Zach became the new primary owner of this box, he placed it in his occult museum in Las Vegas, Nevada. And when Zach first put his box on display, he wouldn't let anyone under the age of 18 see the Dybbuk box. He also had them sign waivers saying that he wasn't responsible for anything evil, violent, scary, you know, any of that nastiness. He wasn't liable for what possibly could happen to them, like injuries and stuff like that, from coming into contact with this box. And in 2018, there was actually a terrifying incident when the great Grammy winning, I think he won a Grammy, I don't know, but the Grammy winning Post Malone, the rapper, country artist, whatever the fuck he goes by, this hip hop mogul, right, visited Zach's museum. And as the story goes, when Post Malone went to the museum, Zach wanted to show him the Dybbuk box. So, Zach leads Posty, the Malone, to the glass display where this box is being held. And for the first time ever, Zach opened the display case and touched the box. Now, as Zach was holding onto the box, Post Malone allegedly touched Zach's shoulder. Not in a pedophile rapey way, but like, you know, like, kind of just like, touched him a little bit, right? Not like that, okay? That didn't sound right either. He didn't sexually assault this man, okay? Don't do the great Post Malone dirty like that, okay? But he like 
might have brushed by his shoulder, touched his shoulder on accident as he was moving around. That's what I'm assuming that they meant, okay? And because of that incident, a lot of people think that this Dybbuk box cursed Post Malone. Because after Post Malone left the museum, he ended up catching a flight to London where the landing gear failed upon impact at the London airport and blew the fuck out. The plane was able to land safely, but this this is probably false information, so you can rail me if you want. With how, this is just like me thinking outside the box and like, you know, being just a normal generic dude. I would think that with how safe and how often these airplanes go under maintenance that this would have been noticed before he left the U.S. Now, don't get me wrong. It could have happened while... Well, actually, it couldn't have happened while they were in the air. Maybe bad turbulence kind of fucked it up while it was under the plane. Whatever. I don't know. But... Because it is a long flight from there to, from here to there. So, I'm just saying. Maybe something could have happened to the landing gear while it was in the air. I have no fucking clue. Okay? But that was... One of the three instances that I'm about to share with you because the second one is actually really, really fucking creepy. The second instance was a few days after the landing gear failing where three men broke into Post Malone's old house. And thankfully, you know, he wasn't there and had sold it to someone else. But the three guys were specifically looking for Post Malone. And I assume that the guy that said, hey, that owned the house now, said, hey, Post Malone's not here. They might have not believed him. And since they couldn't find him and they maybe thought the new owner was lying to him, they killed him in Post Malone's old house, right? And the final like instance that he had a few days was actually after that incident where that dude got killed. He got into a serious car accident, but thankfully came out unscathed. Now, are all these just a coincidence, or was he actually, did he really have a little bit of a curse? I don't know. I don't know, because if Zach Baggins is a true paranormal investigator, and he does actually have haunted items, he's not like the, the Warrens, not like Lorraine or Ed, right, and he... Does it for the culture. Mine is being a complete and fucking dick. But if he actually has these haunted items. Something might have attached to him. That wasn't attached to the Dybbuk box. But like I said. You can give. You know. What is it? Intentions. You can set intentions into specific items. Like a good luck shirt. Like in your mind. You'd like. Like oh I'm going to go wear my good luck shirt today. So that is your intentions into that good luck shirt. Right? So maybe. Maybe it was the box, but maybe it wasn't. Like I said, I don't fucking know. This is, it's hard to believe this story when the first half, the whole origin story part is fake, right? It's very hard to believe it, right? But then again, I'm not one of those people that are going to want to go see this box and actually have something awful fucking happen to me, okay? So I have no fucking clue, all right? I would assume that, this is just me, I would assume that maybe something attached to him that wasn't the box, but then again, I don't fucking know. I'm, I don't know, right? 
Part of me believes it was the box because of setting intentions into it, but then again, if he does have a truly haunted museum, I've never been there, so I don't fucking know. Could have been something attached to him from a different haunted item in that, you know, museum. But I'm just going to leave that up for you to decide, right? Now, according to Zach Baggins, there are only 10 true Dybbuk boxes in the world, and allegedly Zach has two of them at his museum. Zach also claims that, you know, two of the remaining eight that are out in the world are unaccounted for and are buried somewhere beneath the crust. Is that true? I don't know. Like I said, you guys know my thoughts on Zach. I kind of think he's a bitch and I hate him. So take everything that I say about him or that he says with a grain of salt, okay? But Jason, on the other hand, only believes that there's only one true Dybbuk box and the Dybbuk box that he owned and the Dybbuk box that is in this story is the true, is the only Dybbuk box that is truly out there which I also don't believe is true, right? I don't. And if you're wondering if this story sounds a little familiar, this is allegedly the true story that is attached to the movie The Possession that released in 2012. I believe it was 2012. And if you don't know what The Possession is, it's basically about a girl who goes to an estate sale, gets this Dybbuk box, and bad shit happens. Ends up getting possessed, all that stuff. It's a good movie, all right? It's one of, like, the, my first movie was Insidious that really got me into the paranormal horror universe, right? I mean, I've always kind of believed, I always watched ghost shows when I was a kid, but when it came to the movies, Insidious was the first one, and this is one of those movies, too, that are for me, that I chop, chalk, chalk up to me getting into horror movies and truly wanting to learn about what the fuck is going on out there, right? But, I don't know. This, Like I said, this first half of this story was all alleged, okay? Well, actually, the whole thing's alleged, but the first half was fake. And that is coming from the dude that made, wrote this story. Not the story that I read specifically, but the origin story of the Dybbuk box, okay? It's on YouTube, just go look up Kevin Manis, and he it comes up with this dumb fucking podcast. No disrespect to that guy, that podcast, that podcaster. Pretty sure he has a good show. I just wasn't vibing with it. It just wasn't my thing. Right? I was kind of bored, but then again, I was also upset because I thought I wanted it to be real, not in like a twisted way, but like in a way that's just like you know, yeah, I just kind of wanted it to be real. All right. That's going to be it for today's episode. I am about to go do an interview, so you guys will see that one next Monday. It'll be, yeah, next Monday. Yeah, it'll be out. It's with a cult member, former cult member, right? It's going to be fun, right? So, remember, stay frosty, stay foxy. Most importantly, the most important thing on this planet. Mine is getting through the week so we can party and shop next weekend. Stay safe, you beautiful peacocks. I love y'all. Deuces.